0: Human beings are searching for the personal experience of reality. They are seeking to come to understand themselves, to find a reason for their own existence. And so you go round and round and round, ever chasing the illusion that there is something outside yourself, outside your here and now, to be attained that will make things better. No guru, no method, no teacher. And no nothing else either.
1: All right. Welcome, everybody. We have a
0: special guest with us today, Chance Being Thunder. Chance, how you doing, bro? Hey, Ross. It's good to finally be jumping on your show. How are you doing, man? Dude, my
1: my morning has been blissful and blessed. So I got no complaints, bro. Yeah, it's good to have you on and kind of... um, pay back the opportunity to go on your podcast. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, Right out the gate, bro. What are you grateful
0: for? Like in this moment, in this exact moment, I'd have to say I'm grateful for the way that life really does kind of flow effortlessly through experience to experience. The more you're just paying attention to the gratitude, (laughs) the more that you just cultivate the feeling of uh, being happy where you are being satisfied where you are without also you don't also you don't want to reject those parts of you that are noticing what you could change and, and improve about life but right here in this moment is all the information that you actually need to make those changes it's all present and accessible I, I guess I'm grateful for the fact that if you want it you can have it when it comes to whatever it is that you want to become or or create and I've been really, uh, I guess, I don't like the word blessed per se. I, I I like to say maybe fortunate or lucky, but all of that is come, blessed, fortunate, lucky. All that's coming from the same place, like being aligned with the true self, being able to open yourself up to the flow of what your actual soul wants to change about your reality, making the steps towards that one little step at a time. For me. It's come in the form of my, my podcast is starting to really take shape, and that I'm really enjoying the flow I'm getting in with that. Some new things are happening on that front that are really exciting, stuff that you know you can't plan for, or you can't know it's going to happen, opportunities opportunity-wise until you put yourself there. and I guess I'm just grateful for the way that life will make sure that everything does come to you as soon as you're ready for it as soon as the opportunity um, comes and you decide you want to take it that's really all that's required and on the other end of of my life and creative spectrum is art itself and i've just last night had and this is something i'm really grateful for uh grateful for support from cool people i just last night got to have a a display of my uh, graphic art from digital art and markers and paintings and stuff at the art walk we have here in downtown, Springfield, Missouri, every first Friday. A local shop called Honky Tonk, which is super cool, like clothing, local handmade stuff, and uh, smoke shop and glass. Put my art up on display. A lot of friends came by, a couple people bought prints. So uh, that was something. It just sort of worked out and came to me as soon as I was ready for it. I didn't have to like I didn't go out of my way looking for a place to do a showing, but I was finally ready to, and just w- was in that shop one day and um, it came up somehow when I was talking to the owner. So, yeah, that's back to my point. Everything will fall into place as soon as you are taking the steps and doing what you can to make yourself ready for the opportunities. They're just going to show up. So hmm. as a elaborate, a long elaborate explanation of what I'm grateful for, but. The The flow itself, I guess you could say
1: for sure, I feel it.
0: Um, what
1: quotes do you feel most moved by, like two or three, and can you explain what they mean to you personally?
0: I'll see well, I think the ultimate quote really could be the golden rule itself, and you can look at it from the inverse or the the standard way of looking at it, which is do unto others as you would do unto yourself and the inverse being don't do unto others as you would not have done unto yourself i think that sums up our entire situation on earth in three-dimensional reality space pretty perfectly and the only way to not be you know aware of that i guess wave function in the system is if you're just not paying attention because it seems really clear to me that you know, the way that we treat other people is exactly how we get treated, and the way that we treat other beings in general is exactly how we get treated. Um, Long story short, I mean, that's why humanity is basically being farmed by uh, more powerful forces (laughs) because of the way that, you know, we treat this earth as a big commodity system, too. So that, that quote from everything in the personal to the uh, extra personal in, in the societal at large, do unto others as you would have do unto yourself. I think it applies perfectly. And then another quote that I've really been digging on lately comes from Walter Russell. He was a philosopher, scientist, and artist of the early 20th century, a contemporary of Nikola Tesla, somebody that a lot of people have never heard of because his work was so ridiculed and suppressed because it was so, basically totally woke (laughs) and uh, amongst a lot of really amazing divine illumination that he channeled through um, his own writings and his own teachings which weren't really his own they're kind of like just the emanation of cosmic consciousness itself he brought forth the notion that everything in the reality consists of this is the quote by the way everything in the universe consists of rhythmic balanced interchange basically if you have to have one word for the universe russell says it's balance if you had to have two words to describe it it's rhythmic balance and if you must have three words to describe the universe it's rhythmic balanced interchange and using all three words is this is paraphrasing his thought but it's the most balanced way of looking at it. it a good metaphor is just the breath itself you have an interchange of rising pause falling pause and it's a three-part system and everything at the end of its own cycle then reaches stillness and then comes back towards the other side of the polarity so when you realize that everything in your own experience is a form of everything that you're experiencing in motion in energy physically mentally is all a form of imbalance in a way, because the motion itself is the polarity expressing, then you can start looking for how to create harmony and stillness in your life by balancing what it is that's imbalanced with its opposite in a way. And that's a sort of really short explanation on what alchemy is as well, coming from the thoughts of Walter Russell. I really recommend the book, The Secret of Light. That's got basically nonstop incredible quotes. I I could have picked a thousand sentences from that book. Instead, I elaborated on several. Hmm. Yeah, actually, after you and I had chatted
1: uh, initially, the other person, the person I interviewed on my podcast had come up and um, mentioned Walter Russell as well. And it's cool that it surfaced up again. Um, He's somebody that I do need to check out. It's also interesting how you brought up like harmony, because I've really been like digesting this concept of how, how much striving for balance on an individual basis is bullshit overall. (laughs) And like the goal actually should be to try to find harmony within your day because trying to find balance in a day is really fucking difficult, especially if you look at it. Like I, like I use the, uh, the analogy or metaphor of like back when I used to smoke weed or whatever, like a little bit can throw off the scale (laughs) like a lot and over time that really throws like things into a huge imbalance but like finding harmony is a lot easier to do because when life changes or shifts or fluctuates you can still find harmony in it as opposed to the big
0: shift of trying to find balance from it within that moment i kind of see balance and harmony is definitely related but harmony is may this is just kind of my own thinking of the definitions but harmony is kind of like the when the, the polar, the expression of the polarization is in some way creating a resonance with other expressions and it's sort of like an energetic cascade, whereas balance is like the still fulcrum point that all of the, that all of the expression is coming from. And, uh, that idea though, that finding balance in your day is really more important than in life if I was understanding you correctly. No, it's the
1: opposite. Finding balance in
0: life is more important than finding balance in the day. Okay. I actually kind of look at it from the opposite perspective in a sense because my entire ability to balance my life has come through what I can do in an individual day. I have a personal concept or notion of always reanalyzing and thinking about and writing down in almost like a to-do list fashion What my perfect day looks like, what things I can do for myself and for others, and what mindsets I can cultivate, and specifically, more importantly, what things I should not do (laughs) in a day. And the more closely I can align my daily life and habits to this sort of template of what I see as balance, the more my larger overall life starts to fall into place and in harmony. And become balanced. Whereas yeah, my perspective. When I look at the big picture of life and I'm like, I've got to get out of my forty hours a week job. I gotta change this. This isn't imbalance. It doesn't I can't really just change it. I can't pull the ripcord and jump out of the, the jet, you know, unless I'm unless I know that whenever I land, I can trust myself to actually be responsible with that freedom, if that makes it, sense.
1: Um I mean I understand what you're saying. Like I understand the words. I I just personally find my to be the exact opposite because for me my concept okay. is like harmony is sustained balance or balance is sustained harmony i mean so if i can harmonize my day and find peace within it and have all the parts of my day cohesively work well together whether or not they might appear balanced in the whole over time that will give me a balanced life
0: well, i i totally get what you're saying because sometimes you have to do you have to go more to the extreme side of a spectrum to create balance on the individual day level like say for example your body needs some help healing wise you need to spend extra time for a little while with yoga and stretching or getting a massage or whatever and it's not something that you would do every day uh, in a balanced setting but for that one day to balance things overall you're going a little more into the extreme of whatever that modality is.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just don't think that balance is necessarily sustainable in a day-to-day, but harmony is sustainable. So working towards harmony will
0: give you balance. And and of course, all all of this is also difficult as hell to even conceptualize because words like this that represent ultimately source and, and higher consciousness, like balance and harmony, they're all kind of the same thing, but all kind of not in our minds, we all have slightly shifted definitions and meet understandings of what these concepts even mean. And that's what makes the new age spirituality thing. One of the things that makes it really tricky is this fact that we've all got our own understanding of these concepts and coming from a bunch of different potential places
1: yeah for sure plus the other thing is too if people have different needs so just even if they have the same understanding the need could be completely different of what they need on an individual level because i don't think that anything is generalized
0: necessarily on the small yeah. scale at least yeah there's many paths towards the center there's an entire wheel around the center and you can start from any point and move in
1: for sure um So real quick, can you
0: explain like who you are and what you do? Yeah, that's, that sounds good. My name's Chance and I'm 28, about to turn 29. Here we are in March, my favorite month as an Aries. I seem to get most powered up about right now, most fired up if you will. And my main mission in life is to be the most helpful I can to others in attaining their own true awareness of self. I feel that all of us can reach a certain point of at least semi-enlightenment in this life where we come to the understanding that all consciousness is one, all life is one, the totality of existence is one, and that integrating that golden rule that I was talking about, we can actually improve the totality by being more in harmony with ourself. And that comes, that self-knowledge, that source knowledge, knowledge of, I guess, what it is that creates us, which is our own imagination and our own will to exist is in my, in my philosophy, I guess. Uh, creating it's creating itself, the actual act of imagination and, and taking an idea and making a body for it, that is what brings you closer to a regular full-time awareness of the creator within of that internal decision of wanting to exist and all of that helps you defeat the idea of death on a regular basis as well overcoming the primal fear which is you know non-existence realizing that existence itself is stemming from your own internal choice your own internal ultimate power as uh, spark of the infinite consciousness that generates all things allows you to have not much fear of death or of such a thing as an end, because you can realize that your eternity and the the body is just what you're doing right now, and it has nothing to do with your continued existence. So my mission is to spread that idea as far as I can. But in general, it's hard to just approach someone with that type of thing because there's always going to be a gap in knowledge between myself and another person no matter even how much a person has studied or gone into self reflection there's always a different array a different constellation of data points that we each carry which is also really important so it makes sense to me to do a podcast because as my primary mode of expression and creativity because in these type of conversations we can actually resonate with one another and access parts of our own knowledge and our own awareness that without having the conversation to lead us there, we might not have ever articulated to ourselves or to anybody else. And the thing that I like to really focus on in my podcast is what are my guests philosophies? What is it that helps them keep themselves in a rhythm of creativity and, and balance and, Self improvement, self discovery, because we all, like I said, we all have these different data points, constellations of information that whenever we share these with each other and we learn something from each other, we can put those, we can make those practices our own. We can pick and choose sort of like mixed mental arts and become a more complete version of our own ability to express the truth of our own soul by picking up these tips and ideas and oh I didn't realize I could do that during my meditation practice or oh I didn't I've never thought about creating through this medium but that sounds like something I'd like to do and ultimately the goal is through through everything I create from graphic art to podcasts to videos I really just want to help inspire others to start engaging with their own personal inner creator and developing that part of themselves because the more that we all do it the more we all can easily go further with it the more it's kind of like the hundredth monkey thing you if you're aware of that study where mm-hmm. yeah so the more of us that are tapping in instead of reacting from without the more easily it is for us to all exist from a inner place first and not be completely influenced by the external world Absolutely. I completely resonate with
1: that as well. And that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed from doing this also is like that buffet style philosophy of talking to people where I can um, pick up like a little portion of what they have and then instill it into my own philosophy or like maybe mix it around with like some peas and carrots from somebody else and like
0: make my own little smorgasbord. (laughs) That's what you got to do. You got to, take what works and integrate it and then leave the rest but even when you even sometimes ideas that you think you're leaving behind they'll come up later and i think the more that you're pursuing self knowledge the easier it gets to start seeing these patterns where okay this seems to this concept seems to be working here here and here i can probably take it as a a principle and and go with it and just on a basic a basic example of that is of course really simple notions of what's right and wrong to do. Whenever you're a little kid, it doesn't take you very long to learn that you're not supposed to bite people. It doesn't work. (laughs) That's a pattern. It's a pattern that is repeated. Every time you bite someone, you get in trouble. And that, uh, that goes for any higher universal principles or spiritual truths. If it's something that really exists, if as, as you become aware of it, you're going to start seeing it in action all around you. Yeah. I mean, one
1: of the things in the fellowship I'm in is, I mean, our whole thing is based off of spiritual principles, dude. And it's interesting um, how, if you're working on an element of that, or if like you're focusing on it, how it does come up. Spirituality is interesting like that. And part of it, I think, is just um, being in that framework makes you more conscious of it. But I think that there's another element to it as well.
0: Yeah. And we're getting, these synchronistic occurrences all the time, every day. And sometimes it takes days or weeks before we have a day where we actually notice that it's happening and it helps us break out of a pattern. I could give you an anecdotal, uh, synchronicity story of something that happened to me pretty recently, if you'd like. Yeah, go for it. So last year I started a terrible habit of smoking spliffs with my cannabis. Like doing a little bit of tobacco. I had it in my mind that oh, it's okay because it's it's not like Marlboro or something you're getting it from a shop that sources it from a good place and I don't have to worry. Anyway, of course that's not really with my personality type. There's not like doing a little bit of something. So I was smoking tons of tobacco after a few months and eventually I managed to get back off of it because it's not a sustainable thing to do and once you're coughing a bunch you're like, "Hmm, maybe I should stop." I don't want to die. <laughs> so I did and I hadn't had any for a couple of months. Uh, they say it takes 90 days for a habit to go away. And then maybe it'd been like 60 days and I was getting ready to go on a drive from here in Springfield to St. Louis to see the band emancipator. And for some reason, while I was on I in a hurry to get out of town, I had this thought, I'm just going to go buy a small bag of tobacco and I'll just have it for this drive. It'll be fine. There's no reason not to do that. As I'm driving to go get it, I'm going through downtown towards the shop and I get rear ended by a cop. And so I'd actually been smoking a little bit of cannabis in my car is, is occasional. And so there's this big, I wasn't scared. I knew I wasn't going to get in trouble and there might've been other things in my car that shouldn't have been as well. But you know, once you know you're in the matrix and you're Neo and, and the cop is agent Smith, it's pretty easy to handle the situation. And so through, you know, not being afraid means there's nothing that's going to happen other than they're going to be like, hey, sorry, I hit you. Let, let me give you the insurance information. So that's all what happened. But as I'm sitting there waiting for him to get a ticket, it was pretty hilarious. Actually, the cop had to call the cops on himself. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. And anyway, um, they, you know, they're all nice. And they gave me the information that I needed to contact their insurance and, and whatnot. And the damage wasn't so bad. So it's kind of like just a free check from the cops. But while I was sitting there waiting, kind of annoyed that I was delayed and that I was going to miss some of the opening music, it hit me. Why did this happen? You never get rear-ended by cops. You never even have to deal with cops. I pretty much just am invisible to police officers most of the time. And trouble in general is never a thing for me. So why am I kind of having some trouble here? And it occurred to me, of course, it's because what what I was trying to do is something that I didn't need to do or shouldn't be doing and this whole situation of getting rear-ended by a police officer and getting delayed is actually a form of synchronicity that's trying to show me why I shouldn't have been doing this thing in a gentle way that I don't actually have any big repercussions for. So after I got the insurance information, I just went on my way and I didn't go get the tobacco and I felt great. I was like, oh, you did it. You actually noticed your own unconscious pattern and broke it here. And Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that is cool, man. Speaking of, like, tobacco, <coughs> I actually am, like, celebrating. I don't even know how many days without it now. Like, no vape, no nothing, dude. And it's, like, weird how I approached it this time. Uh, let me see. 20 days without it. And it's, like, this time I approached by, like, thanking tobacco for being there for me all the time, or nicotine in general. Um, like, the last cigarette I smoked, I consciously just, like, enjoyed the shit out of it. Like, Savored every drop of it. And then I made a sigil that was based on like the words "better choices." Put it in my car. Put it on um my board. Put one in my wallet. Been golden, dude. It, and it's so weird just to be like, oh yeah, like I forgot to thank you every other time, and I like left from this negative, energetic level. Like I hate you, back And I was like, no, you helped me, but we're
0: we're through. <laughs> like it's, it's like uh it's like um a breakup that's amicable dude that's honestly how it felt like like
1: in my head too tobacco was like i don't want to talk to you anymore if that's how you feel anyhow <laughs> like
0: hey, i'll these, show you these plants have a consciousness in a in a way as well it's you know the way i look at it is with everything especially with disembodied consciousness or plant or animal totem totemic consciousness i look at it as everything is actually inside there's the one life or the one consciousness there's the one mind and we all have a node to look at that one mind and use it like a sort of like we share access but it's the same mind so that that plant the spirit of that plant or the consciousness of that plant of every plant that shares that species is actually also inside you and yeah you can totally talk to it you have relationships with plants and animals and in a spiritual sense, whether or not you know it. Mm-hmm. And when you say like it's inside of you, it also makes me think of the whole concept
1: of, but we're also outside. It's also outside of us. And what's outside is inside of us. And what's inside of us is outside of us. And <laughs> Russian dolls and fractals all the way out.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, it's kind of like a the balanced way to look at anything of that nature, whether it's, you know, spiritual versus material, left versus right, masculine, versus feminine uh divine versus mortal it's all actually two sides of the same coin inseparable it's not actually separate things right, no, they all bleed into each other yeah you, and whenever you give primacy to one over the other that is when you get polarization and things get out of whack like you know that being said if you've had a very really material view on reality for a while like you were saying we were saying earlier it might be balanced for you to spend some time really focusing on the spiritual but ultimately you can't give primacy to one over the other because they co-create one another they flow in and out of each other they're inseparable i think that there's there's some
1: some errors in saying that though too because if you say that and then you say that everything's balanced and everything's
0: also incredibly imbalanced so it's balanced as a whole see that's it's so large that it's balanced as a totality but in our perspective zoomed really in on one part we see all this um temporary imbalance but everything that is an expression in motion and in energy and in form is eventually seeking to return to a place of rest and balance and stillness and sort of void if you will life eventually stops moving but then those particles that form the body then reform into a new body just like the inhale becomes the exhale the exhale becomes the inhale
1: i guess just to play devil's advocate then if the cycle never stops it's not necessarily always balanced though and it's the still point wouldn't always necessarily be balanced just well, to play still devil's point, advocate from the still from point a, is between
0: I, I the still points between the two polarizations so at the end of the inhale you stop and you're still at the end of life you die and you're still, you know, it, it, there is, a, it's, but what's actually generating the motion is the stillness and it never goes away. If you look at it like a teeter totter and the polarized left and right aspects of consciousness are the two kids on each side of the teeter totter. What's actually moving the teeter totter is the fulcrum in the middle and it never moves, but it's also seemingly invisible. That's what gives humanity so much trouble with, uh, you know, our materialistic perspective, on reality, trying to get a grip on source and our own creator and our imagination and these ethereal things, because they all emerge from the stillness and you can't see the stillness. So it's not getting measured by anybody. Mm. All
1: right, moving on. (laughs) Um, Did you feel like you were different than others as a kid? When Um, when did you first notice
0: and like what instance? Well, I'm not sure how much I felt like I was different than others i uh, in you know in the public education system, they did put me in the gifted program as far as they they sort of try to make you feel like you're smarter than other people with that program, but that's almost like a it's where you go to a separate classroom one day a week when you're in elementary school with other quote unquote "smart kids" and you do special more challenging stuff. And as a kid, even I realized that that was kind of lame because I, I it was obvious to me that the standards by which they judged if you're going to be in this gifted class or not were like pretty bogus because some kids might've been super smart, but they just didn't give a shit about the testing that was done or they're just not that good at those kind of tests. Even as a kid, I could see that. So I didn't, it didn't make me feel different, but it did kind of create uh, a notion in me that I could just sort of do whatever I want and not care or try that hard and breeze through everything. And although society tried to really make me think that wasn't true, and it made me even start feeling pretty bad about myself in my early adulthood that that was the way that I was. uh, The more I study, well, the more I just pursue my own path recklessly the more it seems to me that bumbling through life actually is a good way to go the wu-wei notion of uh, relaxed effort is how you tap into your real powers because it's kind of like if you see a, a kid doing a rubik's cube their their parent might pick it up and work on it for hours and try to figure it out and they're in this deductive mode of thinking where they're thinking and focusing and trying as hard as they can and uh, but the kid just starts playing around with it they might even be daydreaming about something else and before you know it they figured out the rubik's cube that's kind of what the wu wei is about the relaxed effort idea is about and uh, as a as a kid i sort of accidentally developed that sort of a um, mentality and it's or maybe that was just my natural predisposition but it's been really helpful through my life because it's less stressful and You know, sometimes I do have to try harder at things than I would be normally trying, especially with like physical activities like rock climbing. But even that, it almost applies everywhere. Probably does apply everywhere that just sort of letting go of the need to succeed at something and just giving it a shot for fun. That seems to be what makes everything work out the easiest and best.
1: Yeah, doing it just because
0: you enjoy doing it,
1: not having an expectation of the results.
0: But as a kid in general, I was like kind of I was more introverted than I am now. I spent most of my time reading and playing games. That was about it. Anytime you saw me, I either had a Game Boy or a book. And until <laughs> I was about a teenager, and then I started coming out of that shell and getting more into things like in high school, I was really into journalism and creative writing through college. And and I guess it wasn't until my early 20s that I realized I was a creative person. I'd kind of tricked myself into thinking that I wasn't, that I was bad at drawing, bad at art, that I shouldn't bother trying to make music and all that. And, and some of those wounds haven't even healed yet. Like I still haven't gotten back into a regular flow of playing guitar. And that was something I did as a kid a lot. And especially as a teenager, I was pretty good at guitar. Uh, I've kind of let that go. And I'd like to find more time for that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely think everybody has creative potential. It's just a matter of tapping into it. And I think that a lot of people, especially when you're younger, like we get these concepts of what that creativity or what that ability should look like. And because we have this idea of what it should be and realizing that we're not that or that we haven't cultivated yet that yet, we kind of put this label of, oh, I'm not good at this. This isn't for me. When it's really like you have your own style, this is your own way of approaching it. And you can learn to do those other things if you dedicate yourself to that, if that's what you're supposed to do as well.
0: (laughs) My philosophy on creativity in general about what makes somebody an artist is that you just do shit. (laughs) Like the non, the person who's convinced himself they're not creative. They basically, they look at whatever the, they look at the canvas and they go, I don't know what to do. And skill level aside, A person who is creative looks at the canvas and they just start doing whatever. And then the person that's a master, they might have more of a process and a flow and a plan. But all of that came from initially just doing whatever. There is, of course, the potential for learning and training yourself on certain techniques. You can always trace other people's, you can trace photos to learn how to draw something better. There's a million ways. And like you're saying, just whatever you know how to do, whatever you can figure out, that's the that's a great place to start because that's also going to be the avenue towards what makes your creation unique, because that's the, your unique way of figuring out how to do it. So when it, from anything from painting to really sculptures, whatever, whatever, anything in life, really the actually this goes back to the Wu Wei thing entirely. And I, I keep harping on this, but I guess it's because I was listening to a lot of, about it earlier this morning while doing chores and they described, and I, I was listening to Mysterious Universe podcast. It's my one of my very favorite shows, if you're familiar with it. And this, this uh, book they were talking about involved a study where they had people running a simulation of the London bus transportation network, like running the switchboards and routing all the buses so that they would complete a certain goal of the buses being on time to certain places within a certain margin of error. And basically they threw these random study participants into this control room simulation with no training or explanation on how any of it worked. And apparently every single person was able to get the buses routed to within the margin of error that they were asked to do. And then when the study researchers were like, how did you know what to do? They just said, I don't know. I just did stuff and I figured it out. And that's, that's the real power of what our, unconscious minds can do that you can process so much information and come up with so many creative solutions all from that state of not trying but trusting and Mm -hmm. it's not that you it's not that you don't try you do try but you're not like you're not so invested in trying that you will be upset if you fail because that's the fear and the fear is what sabotages you in the and takes holding on to that notion of I've got to get this or it's going to be bad that takes away some of that processing power for your mind and outside of just random situations and studies like word I'm describing here, ju- having a habit of doing something, of trying something, of playing around with something, that is how you tap into your unconscious mind. Creative, Creativity wise, if you want to be better at drawing, draw every day. Well, duh, of course, everyone says that, but why that works, at least in my experience, is the more frequently I'm engaging in a certain creative practice, the more ideas I have that are good ideas for that practice. So if I just haven't drawn for months and I sit down, I might kind of hit a block and just have to doodle and flow. And then the next day it might be a little better. And then the next day I might feel blocked again. But then the next day, sometime earlier in the day, I might've had a great idea of something I wanted to draw and held onto it and came down and sat and started drawing it. And there it is. And it's all about having, that habit in your daily life that you're trying to cultivate because then throughout the rest of the time that you're not doing the practice your mind is actually processing and thinking about that and coming up with innovation on your behalf in a way and then the next time you sit down with it all of a sudden your your download is that much more complete if you if that makes sense
1: it does i do a little bit of both honestly it's like i write I'm a poem or two every morning, just like four lines. And I had this habit where I was like um, painting a little bit every morning and doing, making like a wire wrap jewelry piece every morning or whatever. And that was really cool. But I also find that there's, um, for me, there's a lot of growth from taking time away from stuff and picking it back up. And then like, that's true too. Having a revitalized uh, mentality towards it. I mean, I know they say like with guitar, if you want to get better at it, it's better to play 15 minutes a day than it is one hour a day per week and it's like i definitely agree with that that makes total sense yeah and i think that like uh for me with the writing thing the more i write the larger pool of experience i have with it so even if it's not like making me think of different ideas i've cultivated that skill further and put more more behind it i guess um also like with the whole uh trying thing or thinking thing it's kind of like the um concept of motion or no mind and it's not like not thinking it's just like not getting in your own (laughs) wake, kind of like not overthinking
0: shit to death I, i yeah i definitely get it and a great another great application of this unconscious mind processing of something that's your daily practice and improving your abilities even when you're not in the practice yoga is a good example and meditation is a good example because both of those are practices of cultivating a form of stillness. With yoga, there's movement, of course, but you're getting into an asana and you're cultivating stillness and, and strength there. And with meditation, you're doing that with your mind. You're focusing in your mind or relaxed focusing in a way. Meditation's cool like that. While you're in that state, you might be struggling to, to not think about anything or to let go of thoughts. But the fact that you're trying, in a but not over trying, <laughs> to let go of thoughts as they come up and and recognize patterns throughout the rest of your day when something does come up, you can let that shit go 10 times more easily because you've been practicing uh, 10 minutes a day or five minutes a day and your mind has that mode going unconsciously throughout the rest of the day.
1: Yeah, for sure. I try to meditate and uh, when I pray every morning. Like I don't pray the way that some people assume prayer is, but I pray how I pray. And it's like when I meditate, dude, if I do it daily, um, and put the effort in, it's so much easier to let stuff go. And my concept of it is it's like, if you wind up something with a rubber band and hold it between your fingers, you have to let it spin out. And the more I let it spin out, there's less energy behind it. So like I can clear my mind easier. But when I started, dude, a lot of it was just sitting there and letting my conscious mind and subconscious mind flow and not trying to to stop it. Like, because that's what I thought it was originally. I got to clear my mind. How do I clear my mind? Let me try to consciously clear it. And it's just like thrashing about creating all
0: this much more silt and mud in my head, dude. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's the stillness thing, right? It, for me, my meditation practice has evolved so much just from having one over the years, where starting out it was just focusing on breathing and trying to take deep breaths for several minutes in a row and not think too much about other stuff. And that's a great place to start out. But as my practice has evolved, especially in this last year, I've been, it's easy for me to keep a nice flow of breath going where I'm feeling the breath without overly paying attention to it. It's almost like the attention to the breath becomes more automatic after a while. And then I can start focusing on these little, physical jerks and twitches that happen to me and places in my body where my body's not relaxed and uh, letting all the muscles and all the tension go and all the mental, all the, you just sort of, it's really hard to do for me anyway, but just trying to literally trying to be physically still in the meditation posture is the thing that I spend most, uh, the most of my attention on now more than just the breath. And that, that comes into play then later in other stuff like whether it's yoga or you know just in a in a public conversation with somebody being a little bit less shaky you know whatever it is just trying to be still that's always that's always going to help you cultivate the relaxed part of your effort if you have a, a frequent practice of chilling yourself out and coming to a point of internal rest
1: No, I completely agree, man. It's like doing Tai Chi yoga and meditating on a relatively regular basis. I have the the mentality and mindset that I tried to cultivate through substances, just through self-practice. And it's like I can sit still sometimes too long to where it becomes uncomfortable for me. (laughs) Almost like I can chill out like nobody's business. Um, But I can also allow
0: myself to be wound up like nobody's business too. So I don't know. <laughs> Your yeah. life's weird like that. Being able to see what you are in the moment that you are, that is the real trick instead yeah. of catching it later after you've already kind of had a crash and burn because you, you spent too much. I'm like getting a lot better at it now, dude. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I guess that's maturing, right? I feel the same way. I'm starting to get, the hang of especially these bigger cycles the yearly rhythms understanding what my energy tends to do at different parts of the seasons that's helpful
1: Mm. I've noticed the mind's been shifting from what I thought it was which is is different um I just kind of made it through this huge self-sabotaging period with like the holidays and then with like having good things happening in my life that like like big big life good things happening and like not destroying myself, like not creating any chaos for myself. And now I'm like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> like now that everything's going okay, like what do I do now? And it's like, I don't have to do anything. I just have to allow it. And it's yeah. like, well,
0: how do I do that? And it's like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like it's not anything. Those questions from your mind are like, I get them too. And it's like the fear of actually succeeding is trying to come out and be that last little gatekeeper between you and really embracing and becoming the a more complete manifestation of what you intended to come here on earth and do and be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I definitely have been cutting through some of the last of that particular thorn bush to get to the other side and into the proverbial garden and it's, it's cool. Some of that allowing also for me has come in the realization that I actually need help and I can't do everything by myself. And that I've, that the more I pursue what I'm trying to create and manifest, it actually can, like, I guess the example here is I've got a a really good friend that's now going to start helping me with some of the administrative aspects of my podcast. And with, especially with, you know, scheduling with guests and helping me communicate promptly and stuff like that and that was it was like not even an option for me to ever let anybody touch or have anything to do with my show and I had to control every little bit and then all of a sudden it hit me that I have a great friend it would be a good opportunity for this friend in general to be to like work with me on this and it would be a good really big help for me I can trust this friend and uh, and it just was like this big weight got lifted off of me because I've been stressed, stressed about how am I going to keep up the pace of finding new guests, getting, getting them on the schedule, getting my schedule lined up in a way where it actually fits with all the other stuff I have to do. And it, <laughs> to be honest, it wasn't really happening. Like my, my consistency is sporadic with my ability to actually do that. So yeah, um, it was a big relief to realize that I can ask for help and you know, the friend could, say no, of course, but they wanted to do it. And it's going to make the podcast so much better to have another uh, beautiful mind and set of intentions uh, coming at it. No, I definitely agree, man. And it's
1: one of those things, like when I started doing this, I didn't really recognize um, how much work there is behind the recording of doing something like an hour or like two or three episodes a week or whatever the, the thing is. And it's like, it is a lot of work to actually try to track down people that you want to talk to, to arrange it, to have it fit in with everything else that goes on in your schedule. And that's definitely like an art form in and of itself, time management.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's hard, but uh, the relaxed, the relaxing part does help with that because whenever my conceptualization of unity consciousness makes it seem really obvious to me that anybody that's operating from a place of connection to their higher self whether it's on a low degree or a high degree they in they generate synchronicity with other people that are in that that are connected to that the higher self the totality of consciousness it's the same self or life for everybody so whenever we're tapped into it that's actually what lets us have these magical synchronicities and opportunities and alignments with each other work out with the perfect timing even though we didn't plan it because on a higher level we were able to plan it because we're connected mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely
1: one of the things and it goes back to allowing in lots of ways sometimes like just having faith that everything will work out and that's one of the things that i've been grateful for in doing this is just like having been somebody that was like um, very controlling and I still have that tendency at times but like wanting to control every situation and wanting things to like always go how I expect them to go it's just not how this works doing this a lot of times because life comes up and when you're communicating with different people in different time zones on different schedules like shit happens things change people are people (laughs) like you learn to just ride the waves of all of it and just be like I'm getting what I'm getting and I'm talking who I'm supposed to be talking to, when I'm supposed to talk to them and not a moment sooner.
0: Yeah, and I've had the, sometimes you have to let go of what you think you need to do to make, like an example would be, I didn't put out a new episode last week and I have two choices. I could be really upset and mad and beat myself up that it didn't happen. Or I can say, well, you tried, you had a guest scheduled, they couldn't do it at the last minute and, there's it's not there it's not like I have to be mad at them of course I'm not at all but I don't have to be mad at myself either because that's out of my control now Mm -hmm. there's also a way that I can prevent that in the future but that would be by having episodes recorded a little earlier and being a little further ahead in my production schedule and all that but yeah I need help to make that consistent and I'm getting it so instead of like maybe a couple months ago I would have been super down and mad and i would have even probably gone out of my way to create some kind of a content that wouldn't really have been as good and you know there's nothing wrong with that either if i want to put something out cool do it but i don't have to be upset with myself that i didn't i guess no one's gonna like come and knock on my door and be like where's my podcast <laughs> right and if they do <laughs> that's yet, a reflection anyway. of them
1: not you man and it's like Having to be okay with what's going on in your own life is so crucial to move forward in life in general, I feel like. Because I've had that stuff come up before, too, where it's like, oh, crap, I didn't record this. And it's my expectation of what I should be doing versus what the reality of life is. And learning to be okay with like things not going how I want or what I want to happen is crucial. Most of the time, what I want isn't even what's necessarily
0: good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the trick is getting the wants aligned with what's actually good. And I think knowledge is the key to that, man, because what keeps people, at least in my personal history, what kept me eating horrendous diet, you know, why was I guzzling Mountain Dew and eating Little Debbie's? Because my knowledge was lacking. I actually thought it was okay. I thought I was going to be okay. And then I gained knowledge by the fact that I got horrendously overweight and unhealthy right out of high school. And it took me some time to get back to a, my normal state, size-wise, health-wise, physical ability-wise, and from there, that was not the end of the knowledge journey by any means, because just because I got my weight down doesn't mean I was having a healthy intake, in fact, quite the opposite. So more knowledge, I was able to use knowledge to realize how I actually felt about what's going on with animal sacrifice in the world, or I guess what people call eating meat. And that's, that's a challenging one because when you really come to fully embrace your own personal feelings on that, then it became, comes almost a barrier between you and the way your life was before. Like I don't, I, I used to always hang out with people at meals and, and go see people at restaurants and go at, at like, you know, that type, there were different circles of people that I was hanging out with, but a lot of it revolved around eating the same type of stuff. And that just, I I have to be okay with the fact that those type of circles and experiences are going to be diminished or not around anymore, just because I'm eating differently. And that's not, I don't have, it doesn't bother me, but I would never have gotten there, I guess, to get back to my point without the knowledge, because until I really knew the full extent of how humanity was treating uh, other life forms on the planet and the fact that we are able to count 60 billion creatures that we kill a year. And that's not counting what we don't have a count on it. Some key points of knowledge made my feelings much more clear to me. And then I was able to uh, make changes without it even taking effort because my, what I wanted changed because what I knew changed. And so that's one of the other reasons why I feel like this medium is such an important type of creation because that's actually where I get a lot of my new knowledge is from, just listening to these kind of conversations with people that are honest in the same way that we're being. Hmm. Um.
1: I can definitely relate to like having the circles of people you change with based on things and like how at a certain point when you have a certain knowledge, your perspective changes about something and it makes it easy. That was my experience with the use of substances, dude. And it's like my whole life um, and personality at, at times I was thought was revolving around the substances I used. And then having this huge disconnection from it when I I quit using that because I recognized how it was impacting me personally. And now like embracing elements of the culture that I find healthy, but also separating from elements of it that I just find completely destructive and bullshit. It's like, I'm going to a reggae thing this summer at like Nelson's ledges, which is I used to party there a lot. And a part of me like, the program I'm in pretty much says to like not do stuff like that, but I can't limit things that I enjoy or being around a scene that I want to be just because other people are, are doing certain stuff. And I mean, that's just me personally too. I can understand
0: how eating is a little bit different than what I'm talking about. Um, well, I used to think that every time I was at a bar, I, I should buy a drink, you know, mm-hmm. and now I don't drink. I still go to places that serve alcohol. Uh, I'm still around people that are drinking alcohol I don't really enjoy the vibe that people that are all drinking alcohol tend to create, but I have enough of a personal psychic defense against any energy in my environment that that's not a problem I can maintain. I don't have, I don't take on that desire to imbibe that substance, you know?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. That's me too. The guy who's like my mentor in the program, he pretty much told me like, None of that shit's gonna crawl in your body unless you, unless you pick it up, unless you make the
0: conscious decision to utilize it. It's not might gonna get a little reefer contact high, but that's okay.
1: That that doesn't really exist. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that really happen.
1: <laughs> if I did, I would just get a bad anxiety and go to my tent anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> go to sleep. <clears throat> but yeah, man. I mean, I, I dig it, and it's cool to me to like reconnect with some of that stuff and also to recognize now that like I don't need any of that shit to actually access any of it and I actually have a deeper access than I personally did when using those substances to that whole lifestyle just I don't have to get
0: high to do it which is phenomenal Um, yeah on the psych like with psychedelics as an example I've not been using psychedelics for a while and my rate of intense super transcendental psychedelic experiences has not changed it's just different and in fact when they happen i'm way more clear about what's happening than when i was in a heavy psychedelic state of mind that's not to say i'm never going to do another psychedelic in my life but i i definitely understand the notion of once you get the once you received the message you can hang up the phone once like you know certain doors and windows in my mind are now open and i don't need to you know, take the break glass in case of emergency fireman axe and bust the glass, which is what I consider psychedelics to be just to get mm-hmm. that window open. I think though, to to open certain things in our minds, those experiences, you know, that's what leads us to them. And they're not intrinsically harmful. It's our relationship that can be harmful.
1: I think it falls into the middle where they, they can both be harmful or not. And I, The relationship can or not be. It's not really for me to say. I think it's really an individual thing. Totally agree. But it's like um, one of the things that I think is funny how people talk about them being teachers, and it's like they are teachers to an extent, but I don't call up like my high school science teacher and still ask him questions now that I'm 34. (laughs) So it's like if you learn the lessons, at some point it's just self-gratification, which is okay, but that's just my perspective on it.
0: Uh, I I see it. I I pretty much can't fall on one side or the other. I can't fall on the, you should never do it. And I can't fall on the You should do it. It's just, if you do it, you're going to learn something, but you don't have to do it to learn those things. That's kind of the way I look at it. No, I agree. I'm just saying you can also learn. You can also go backwards from psychedelics in in a sense. I feel like they have the, the potential to make your mind more clear in a way, but they can also, accentuate whatever neuroses that you had going on that you were not uh, aware of. And if you continue to ignore those neuroses, they just exacerbate by putting more energy into the system. Uh, The way that their form of their form of polarity in themselves, because the substance has an energetic motion based reaction within you. So whatever experiences they're generating, that's all in the world of form and motion, even if it's in the internal um, world. So it's not actually the stillness. And I think that the, the real divine revelatory illumination only comes from a person that's only comes to a person that is in a healthy, balanced and still type of vibration. You know, the no no mind thing is where the higher mind emerges.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think and then we can move on is just like um, at a point. It's like distortion leads to clarity, but then also at a point, clarity leads to distortion (laughs) again. So it's just like that perpetual shift. And it goes into the concept of like Carlos Castaneda talking about clarity being one of the four enemies. And I know that for me personally, like when I still use substances, there were times when I thought that I had this divine understanding of everything. And that's such a barrier because then I'm not really able to learn anything. If I know everything, I don't have any need to learn a damn thing.
0: Yeah. I, my way to combat that is by taking a metaphysical dump as regularly as I take a physical dump, as in (laughs) you just take, take that file that you have in your mind that says shit I know and delete the entire file completely. And then every, everything that was true that was in that file stays true. You'll still encounter it. You're not going to forget about it, but you don't have to hold on to like, I know this. And then the stuff that you were trying to hold on to and think that you definitely knew that was holding you back that's flushed so it doesn't come back as easily that's that's kind of my take on it you just sort of there are things of course that you can know for certain but you don't need to hold on to knowing them the, the example would be like we don't need a law to say don't kill somebody that's obvious you know and so we don't need to hold on to certain aspects of natural universal spiritual law in terms of how we treat one another as long as we are operating under that principle of do unto others as you would have done unto yourself it works itself out we don't need to scribe it all out
1: yeah i mean that's a fair point <laughs> so we're coming up to like the end of time that i have available unfortunately i still had a bunch of questions um i can I just, see if you want or you, we can wrap it up i I should probably get back to my day, honestly. Um, I'm going to try to hit the most powerful ones. What superpowers do you possess
0: or what superpower would you want? Oh, that's a fun one. Well, we kind of already talked about the superpower that I most uh, express, which is the ability to sort of bumble through all situations in life successfully without worrying too much. I consider that to be kind of a superpower, but um and then i also have a superpower that's kind of annoying where any cables or cords of any type that are in my vicinity become horrendously tangled up and (laughs) even if i don't touch them i don't know how that happens and then i'm i have an anti-power of i'm bad at untangling stuff i think that that's kind of almost a symbolic metaphor for my overall personality but as far as what superpower i would want I, I would definitely want to fly in my dreams. As soon as I ever realize I'm dreaming, the first thing I do is I go, see you later to whatever or whoever, and I just fly away. <laughs> so I, I would love to be able to do that in real life. I probably wouldn't just ditch people but and fly off, but it would be cool. And as far as other other superpowers go, um I guess I have a pretty good power of not getting angry. Um, So whenever I do see myself start to feel anger, because I have this superpower, I always am able to pinpoint what it is that's making me feel the anger, let it go or find a way to shift it. You know, sometimes anger has, I see anger as having a blue flame and a red flame. There's the destructive red flame of sort of rage. And then there's the, divine blue flame of righteous anger and the latter is what gives us motivation to change things that are wrong or out of balance or directly in a sense evil like injustice that is going on in the world and I think the universe is kind of a justice machine and shakes things out to a more balanced and just state over time anyway and that's that inner blue flame of righteous anger while it's not something that you hold on to in a way that hurts you, it's something that gives you a, a focus point of what you to motivate you to make shifts in your personal life to eliminate what it is that causes the anger. whereas the rage, the red flame of anger that just feeds into itself and is a negative feedback loop entirely and is destructive. so not not being caught up in anger very much ever in my life, I consider that a power and a blessing because uh, it's you know anger means you're sad in it, ultimately and so if I, I don't feel angry very often I must be pretty happy and mm-hmm. I think that that's true that's definitely a good one man
1: and um, what philosophy spirituality or religion religions do you feel most align with your understanding and please just explain them as they apply to you
0: well I look at all the religions as exoteric versions of the same thing and actually i study mythology and world religion pretty on pretty incessantly i'm fascinated in these things but i pretty long time ago came to the conclusion that i'm not ever going to join a group i'm not ever going to identify as this or that because it's so limiting and Mm -hmm. what so i guess my If you had to pin me down to a philosophy that most matched what my philosophy is, I think Taoism actually is a pretty good worldview because it is about this eternal flow of generating novelty and creativity that the universe is operating through. And I like articulating that. And I also, I like some ideas that come from Gnostic Christianity as well, but ultimately, the more I study the entire world spirituality, the more I see <laughs> kind of manipulation and sleight of hand and a lot of mysticism is, that has happened in the past is more on the manipulation and illusion side than on the real side. So from, I would recommend to anybody as a personal religion or spiritual philosophy to believe nothing that is the, I think that's the ultimate thing that you can do. Hold no beliefs. That way you can always see things clearly without being clouded by your desire for them to be a certain way that aligns with your belief. Now, not believing things does not preclude one from knowing. I think that we should always operate from a place of knowing wherever possible. And one of the things that, especially new age spirituality, likes to implant in people And I think it's part of this sort of mysticism manipulation that's gone on for thousands of years is the notion, the solipsistic notion that there is no such thing as truth. And therefore you can't actually know anything. And while certain elements of personal truth can be relative, like I prefer green tea over black tea, that's not the truth I'm talking about. The actual truth itself, capital T truth, which is an aspect of the divine feminine uh, component of our reality that act that is what has actually happened and what will happen and it it's objective but it's not always our ability to see it objectively however i think whenever we put ourselves in alignment with the pursuit of truth and of trying to see things more objectively and more clearly and dropping our preconceived notions and beliefs in an attempt to do that, and in practicing things that cultivate our consciousness and awareness so that that improves our ability to see what's really happening. We get closer and closer to our own divine source and our own personal power, and the knowledge, the knowing, and not the belief, that we actually can manifest anything that we choose and that we want, As long as we're not holding ourselves back through fear. And fear is simply the belief that you have or will lose some aspect of your personal power. And that personal power is the infinite power of creation itself. You contain potential that's beyond all measuring or reckoning. And so I think if there's anything that you can put down as a knowing and start from there, it's that. And if you can know that, and not just believe it, it will help with everything else.
1: Yeah, I definitely identify with a lot of what you said about like, um, finding different things to have lots of different truths, like the philosophy of omnism, where everything pretty much has some truth that you can find and glean from it. Taoism is something I connect with um, personally. I mean, I read a daily Tao reading every day. And for me, it's kind of like the checkmate on philosophy or religion, because it's like, Sekhme, all of your beliefs are incorporated into the Tao because they're part of Taoism.
0: <laughs> so totally. Yeah, um, there's so much you can get out of um, the I Ching and Taoist-related writings. It's it's really cool. You can reread uh, Lao Tzu 10 times and never really fully wrap your head around it because the, thing that, the Tao that can be described is not the true Tao. So all mm-hmm. you can do is dance in circles around it. It always makes me
1: laugh, too. Like, that's one of the things I enjoy about it is, like, how funny it is. And it probably looks ridiculous to, like, see somebody sitting there reading a book of, like, ancient Chinese philosophy and just laughing like a madman. But it's incredibly funny to me, like, the, um, the duality of it and how,
0: like, it, I don't know, dude. It just makes me chuckle. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if somebody in a nearby car saw me talking to, I guess, myself, but it felt like I was talking to something else. <laughs> you know how that is yeah
1: um let me find a couple more good ones oh this is one of my favorite ones to ask people if you had to describe your personal philosophy or condense your life experience into like two or three words what would it be
0: don't worry about it all right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I had to find it. I knew it was in there, but that's, that's not like on the spot even. That's probably the real thing. That's the real, that's probably the deep down core philosophy that I got going on. And I don't always follow it. I'll tell you that. But the more I follow it, the easier it is. That's for sure.
1: Uh, for sure. I, I agree, dude. It's funny when I moved back to this area, like I had really picked up saying no worries all the time when I lived in Cali. And then I really thought about it. I was like, fuck, dude, I worry about a lot of shit. <laughs> and Now, like, if I actually say no worries, it's legitimately something that I have a lot of faith and stock in that things
0: will work out as they should. And me worrying about it is just a waste of energy. It can make people mad when you say don't worry about it too. Like They're asking you questions, something is important. And you're just like, don't worry about it. It's fine. And they're like, what do you mean don't worry about it? <laughs> <laughs> Get a chuckle out of that. And sometimes just like when I was younger, I would be annoying and someone would be trying to get something out of me and I would just repeat, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like it's probably not very nice, but I really literally don't care about things that I don't care about. And I put all the care I can into the things that I think are worth caring about because it's only what, whatever it is you care about, that's what comes out more. That's what you pay attention to more. That's what more energy flows to. So um, you can be aware of stuff without really caring about it. Like, you can be aware of injustice in the world and you can even express it in a way that allows you to allows others to see it and maybe make personal shifts to help alleviate it. And you yourself can make those personal shifts, but actually being like so worried about it, like, Oh, the the global warming, the planet's going to die. You know, you're not going to get any sleep at night. You can, you can do something about what needs to be done without the worry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Worry is just a waste of energy and you can free up the energy to actually create solutions to the problem. <laughs> um, I think that's
0: been the theme of this talk too, because we've really gone into that woo way notion of relaxed effort a lot. And I, I'm glad because this is something I'm, it's something I haven't really articulated in any kind of a broadcast before. And it's definitely a big part of my core.
1: Oh, dude, me as well. That's one of the things that I've had to learn how to do um, in lots of ways. Because otherwise it's I, I screw myself over, dude. <laughs> it's really what it boils down to. It's like if you like uh when I when I play disc golf, if I try to put a lot on it and like really aim and do all this other crap, I tend to throw like off and end up in the weeds or in like a creek or something. And if I just kinda like have fun and just throw it, it's a lot better drive, it'll float a lot better, land a lot smoother. And I'm just like this is bullshit
0: (laughs) for me. Rock climbing is the ultimate test of that because of this idea, because you have to try, if you don't try and give it your all, you're going to fall off the wall. But if you're so focused on every little component of what you're doing and trying, then you're going to trip yourself up, slow yourself down, make mistakes. And you're, you know, it's just like anything else that you do with your body with repetition. Eventually you get muscle memory and your unconscious mind can, put certain things on autopilot, whether it's, you're driving a car, but you daydreamed the entire ride and all of a sudden you're there and you're, and it was automatic or it's, um, throwing a disc or it's trying to climb a wall. At some point you have to let some of the process just go and, and just make sure that your attention stays on the process and that your intention stays elevated. Mm. Very well articulated. Um,
1: I have two more questions and then like one closing thing. Who inspires you?
0: Well, that's a tough question. There's so many people that I consider teachers and inspirational in my life. Um, I think if I had to put one person that's been the most inspirational to my own personal development as of late, and this isn't the ultimate top person that I'm inspired by, but I really, really like the work of Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chats. I think, although of course I don't necessarily agree with every notion that that he still thinks or believes that he expresses, I do really respect the work he does. He has an extremely well-polished podcast, really consistent, really brave choice of guests talking about fringe topics that you know, is you any person that would set out to create a show like his would have to be afraid that they're gonna start alienating everybody in their life or get assassinated or whatever. So, <laughs> uh, and you know, I don't think that any of that really can happen to somebody that's working in alignment and is not worried or in fear. I think a lot of the bad stuff that happens to us, we draw to us through our fear that it's gonna happen. So anyway, I, I really admire and respect that guy because he does put so much effort into it I he's making the exact kind of show I would make uh, if his show didn't exist (laughs) and you know a lot of what I do on my podcast is either and was either somewhat inspired by the way he does his or I realized that we were doing things the same way I actually discovered his work after I became a podcaster so I didn't model my show after his but it is interesting how a lot of the way that we structure our content is the same. And anyway, um, he's just a super smart guy. He's not the he's not the one that's pinning these you know amazing quotes or philosophies that or doing the scientific research and finding out about things like you know geoengineering or uh, various occult networks in the world. He's just the one that's transmitting this to a larger group of people. He's a conduit for it. But I think that's kind of what I see myself as is more of a conduit than a more. I I, I seek to be more of a conduit to what is already out there that can help people than to create the, the methods myself because what actually is the most helpful to us in our daily lives, a lot of the concepts and techniques and things that we can put into practice have been around for thousands of years. And in a way there's not really anything new under the sun. That's not to say I'm not going to keep making art and keep, doing things my way and having a unique expression of course but um just to go back to greg i'm super super inspired by what a good conduit he is to all kinds of different information that without him doing what he was doing i wouldn't be finding a lot of other people wouldn't be finding i really recommend to show the higher side chats if you want some quality infotainment in the fringe and conspiracy occult magic world mm-hmm. I, I
1: like his uh, show a lot too. I've actually had one of his guests on the podcast and was just interviewed by one of his guests. Um, his, his show's great. He has really interesting people on. I don't agree with everything that he says or they say, but it's still, um, it's nice to kind of get in that spectrum. I don't listen to a lot of stuff that's relative to what I do personally, because I don't want to, I don't want to unconsciously download and just like be a parrot. <laughs>
0: so it, it's, yeah. Um, I realized I was doing that when I first started podcasting that I was like emulating Joe Rogan super hard. And then a little while later, just naturally as I was podcasting, I kind of stopped listening to Joe. And then I started analyzing my relationship to Joe over the previous five years and what the bigger picture of what was going on with uh, Joe Rogan experience. And then I realized, Oh man, I was actually in a cul-de-sac and not getting out. And I was sort of by completely emulating and aligning this one with this one person I was uh really suppressing my own self-expression and I mean there's more to it than that not like gonna I'm not gonna say like anything specifically negative that I know for sure about Joe Rogan per se but I can look at the pattern of the way the information of his show was presented and his viewpoints and uh the amount of time and energy and attention I was investing into that program and realized, Oh, this was actually holding me back and was unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And
1: that's kind of how I feel about a lot of stuff. It's like, once I've outgrown a teacher, I need to move on and it's like, I still give them respect for them helping me on part of my evolution. But for me, I got to go where there's no path, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Um, What books would you recommend to others or like what books impacted you the most, like two or three? Well, I already brought up The Secret of Light, although I haven't finished it. That one's massively impactful. Um, I really like the book Supernatural by Graham Hancock. I think that's a good uh, overview of some of the high strangeness that's been going on in our world for thousands of years. And it gives, Uh, interesting correlation between folklore historical folklore descriptions of fairies and fey entities and how all that crosses over and correlates directly with modern day ufo encounters and abduction experiences i find that to be really interesting i really like exploring the fringe emergence of archetypes in our collective consciousness that isn't really part of the daily Western civilization life, but it's still a part of us and has been forever. Whether that's, you know, I don't believe in Sasquatch per se because I've never seen one, but I have seen some UFOs and uh, I find that stuff to be super fascinating.
1: So it's kind of like the unified theory of weirdness where they all come from like some, some collective energetic source. Is that kind of what it's about?
0: Yeah, I, I can't say that everything that people experience in fringe and paranormal is the same experience, but I can say that there is a unified field of energy and that whatever these paranormal extrasensory and extended consciousness experiences are for people. It has got to be related to this unified field that connects us all and that our mental energies and our physical auras are linked up through.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Um do you want to like give a plug for your podcast
1: for your shirts that you have made and for like your website all that good stuff before we uh
0: close it out Yeah man uh thank you so much for having me on the show this has been a fun chat i've been wanting to get on another podcast besides my own for a, a little bit it's been a couple months since i did that and this was definitely fun and i felt definitely felt like it was a good way to express myself and where i'm at now because as you know every couple months where it's like i'm a different person and i'm sure you can relate to that uh, it's it's a rapid journey once you get on the express way to um express way to enlightenment that seeking truth and seeking your own personal balance and soul's mission for being on earth does bring you so mm-hmm. to plug my show you can check it out on anything from soundcloud to itunes to stitcher podomatic Whatever it's called, Interverse Podcast, and you can find all the links to my social media sites from the website interversepodcast.com. I'm pretty happy with my website right now. There's definitely some things I could do to improve it, but as a budding web developer, I think I finally got it to a place where I don't hate it. (laughs) Uh, Go check out my my website though. I'd really love it if you did. I've got art for sale in the form of prints. I got some hat pins like are popular on music festival, kids hats. I've got a couple on my hat. I make some pins. I have a collection for sale up there. I've got prints. I also have got new t-shirts for the podcast with this new logo I designed. And most importantly, my show is there. You can find 64 episodes so far. There's more if you subscribe on Patreon and check out the plus membership level where my show is actually double length every week for people who are subscribed and you also get early access. Also some other stuff. I've been really fortunate to have people that care about my journey enough to send me some energy through Patreon and I really hope to make good enough content that more people are interested in doing that voluntary donation monthly and getting the extended content because that's really what I'm putting a lot of my energy into mostly right now is polishing, doing more work on the editing and doing more to make sure that I'm representing the mission of the show with every episode, which is to give people real ideas, concepts, techniques, and thoughts that can help them turn around the negative framework of thoughts that they've been building and start taking those pieces and creating a scaffolding towards higher consciousness and a true ability to express themselves. So I really hope you guys check out Interverse. I speak to artists, musicians, fellow podcasters. Had a great episode with you, Ross. I thought that was fantastic, Uh, especially some of the interesting synchronicities that jumped out right away with uh, talking about the Doom Train and all that. I think people would really enjoy our chat over there if they like this talk. So, uh, you know, go give me a subscription on whatever device that you like to use to check out podcasts. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Shoot me some suggestions for guests that you guys want to hear on there. Whatever, man. I I love you guys for checking out the podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you, Ross, for having me on Spiritual Phoenix. This was really cool.
1: Yeah, Chance. Uh, Thank you, man. And I really enjoyed uh, being on your podcast. You're welcome to come back on sometime. And we won't do like a formal interview. We'll just do more of like a discussion (laughs) or whatever. We could even pick a topic and elaborate on it if we wanted. No, for sure. Yeah. That's what I do. Sometimes is topic, sometimes I'll like, uh, I want to start like picking stuff out of the daily reading, like talk about whatever the daily reading is for the day from my, uh, one book on native American daily readings or the Dow or whatever. There's all sorts of different formats I have for like guests that I want to play around with. Um, but yeah, dude, come back on sometime. And like the very last thing that I want to throw out is I've asked all my other guests to end the show in their own words. So take us out however you feel fit, man.
0: All right. I got a few choice words for you guys. All is love, truth exists, authority is an illusion. <laughs>